Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You know, when in worshiping God, you've got to stay with worship for a while. You know, a lot of times we, we pray so, so much. I, I remember the testimony Brother Hagan gave about the missionary who was sick, I think, with some uh, uh, exotic fever, and the Lord showed her a scale, and all of her prayer weighted down one side, and her worship, there was no worship. And the Lord said, when you get your worship and prayer balanced out, you'll be healed. And, and she spent three days in a hospital worshiping God and walked out totally healed. You know, the devil attacked Leah one time. We'd come home from the beach, and, man, I mean, just we were on our way out the door to the hospital. Remember that? We began to pray, and I, we just stopped. I said, sit on the couch. Let's just worship God. As we started worshiping God, and it, it was what? Maybe 10 or 12 minutes of worshiping God. Just thank you, thank you, Father. We weren't binding anymore. We weren't loosening anymore. We weren't taking authority anymore. We were just, thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. And it, just a wave of relief just swept over her. And she went upstairs and, and, and got in bed and took a nap. She never naps. I'm the napper. I'm the professional napper. Amen. <laughs> But I'm telling you, that when you worship God like that, I, you're, you're, you're assured of your victory and the manifestation of it. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Randy. Man, that was great. I got me a new, I got me a new message on, on <laughs> 1 Samuel 17. Hallelujah. I've always said he picked up five smooth st- stones because that's what fit. Glory to God. Everybody has their revelation of that, and I like them all. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 10, real quick. I've got just a few minutes. Uh, uh, a real theme that's been... Uh, rising up in our company, and I include all of you in it, and of course a few that are not here, our company that we celebrate these meetings with and preach and prophesy and pray and have such a good time in Tulsa and over in Shreveport here in Galveston, is, is revival and a move of God coming forth, uh, breaking out, uh, something beyond what we're experiencing even now. And even, you know, last night we had a wonderful move of the Spirit. I got, had text from people this morning, I think three, from people that were watching on the Internet. And we just said, man, that was awesome. You know, I mean, we can feel the anointing coming over the Internet, you know. And Pastor Sam texted me and said, man, that was awesome. I wish I'd have stayed, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it is something that's been in my spirit literally for 33 years. Something's out there. Something's, and it's moving toward us. And closer to us than it's ever been. Uh, I've watched Pastor Mark for two years now, uh, just consumed with it. And I'm thankful that he is. Because he being consumed with it has helped me to continue my quest of it. And I'll sit under his, his teaching and hear things that I've heard three and four and five times. And every time I hear it, it heightens the expectancy in my spirit. Knowing that something is fixing to break out, something is fixing to break loose. Something is fixing to happen. And look, look, I've heard it, I've heard it for 50-something years of my life, all the way back from when I was a child and the prophecies of the good ones and Brother Hagen when he used to come to our church and others that used to prophesy. And even people uh, that were, we had a, 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 a man uh, in our church uh, named, uh, was it Charles, Charles Knapp was his name? Charles Knapp, for you that don't know who he is, was the second most decorated uh, man in World War I. Not World War II, but World War I. The most decorated man was a man named York, Alvin York from Tennessee. He was the second most decorated man. Stood and gave his testimony. Well, I guess he was in his 80s, and this was back in the 60s. 
uh, stood and gave his testimony in his uniform with his medals and still just as straight straight as a stick, you know. Uh, 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 some friends of ours, uh, Effie Ward and his wife, Frances Ward, they, uh, was it her mother-in-law who was the opera singer that used to flow in the spirit like that? Uh, what was her name? Do you remember? Anyway, uh, she was, she, these people, when I was a child, these people were elderly. They were, you know, in their 70s, uh, uh, in their 80s, and they would prophesy about the, the move of God and, 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 and signs and wonders and legs growing out and hands growing on. I mean, just, and it just shaked the place. And I've heard it and heard it and heard it. And if that was back in the 60s and we're in 2017 now, we're closer to that than we've ever been. And think of how many have died not seeing that. They did see a, a portion. They did see a, a part. And, and as he said of, 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 of Brother Hagen last night, saying, making statements like, you know, uh, when you've seen the big stuff, this little stuff don't, don't, don't make any difference. But I also heard Brother Hagen say something, that in these last days, men and women will flow in the full. When he said it, it shocked me. He said they will flow in the, in the full manifestation of their offices. Pastoral. And then he said that even prophets, not in the partial measure of a prophet like I have flowed in. Brother Hagen said that. And if he flowed in the partial measure, my goodness, what must the full measure be? Amen. So in my spirit this morning, I, I just wanted to share some scripture with you and show you something in the Word of God. Something we've all seen, we've all preached on, we all have, have, have embraced in the Word of God. But, but Acts chapter 10, is, is a, to me, is a pivotal point in the Word of God. It is what I would call a landmark in the Bible. Up until that point, the visitation of the move of God and the visitation of the Holy Spirit had been confined to basically uh, the Jewish men that were around Jesus, the Jewish region of, of, uh, uh, of Jerusalem and that area. We know in Acts chapter 8, uh, uh, Philip went to Samaria, so that was, you know, those, those people kind of consider themselves half-breed or half Jew, but it was kind of contained in an area, and the real, what we would call the Gentile nation, which is all of us, uh, remained unvisited. Uh, no, no outpouring of the Spirit, no, uh, no uh, anointing, no, uh, uh, you know, nothing really happening, nothing going on. Now, God found a man, because God's always looking for somebody that will contend for something, that will contend for it. And what it really amazes me about this, and I didn't realize it much. We, we watched a, a, a movie the other night. We, I thought it was so cool called Risen. Have y'all seen that movie? About the, the, uh, the Roman tribute who crucified Jesus and then was charged with, after the body disappeared, he was charged with going and finding the body. And he, and he looked and looked and dug up all these dead bodies. And, all, and he was really kind of frustrated with it because, you know, he was a man of war and, and just, you know, and Pontius Pilate was, was on his back. And, all, and, and the greatest scene of the movie, I love it, we saw it the other day, is, is, is he got a tip that the disciples were in this particular area, quote, hiding the body. And, you know, he saw Jesus die. He watched him on the cross. He saw the, the, the clouds moving, you know, and all that. And he saw the blood and he saw all the... And, and so they're all kind of disguised, he and his soldiers... And they run into this street, and they bust down this one door, and he's not there. So he told his soldiers, spread out. And they spread out and begin to run down the street. And he ran down this one street, and he saw Mary Magdalene go into a door. And so he ran in there, and he kicked the door down, and he stepped in with his sword, and there sat Jesus. And looked right up at him. And brother, you could feel it come through the sky. I don't know who directed that or produced that movie, but it rocked his world. Into the movie, he ended up becoming a disciple and following Jesus. So those Roman soldiers 
man, these guys were tough. Now, all of them would choose a god. They all served the, the uh, what do you call it, the uh, astrological gods. Uh, some would pray to Mars. He pray, the, the guy in the movie would pray to Mars. He had a little altar set up, stuff like that. Some would pray to Jupiter. Some would pray, pray to others. So their, their pagan religion, uh, you know, had nothing to do with God. But somehow, some way, Cornelius became enamored with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, you've got to think about this. Why would a man who is a centurion, which is a man who is in charge of, of over 100 soldiers. This is a leader. This is somebody who has worked his way up the ranks. This is a man who has been proven. Why would he adopt the God of a defeated nation? They defeated Israel. There was no resistance. The Roman army was brutal. I mean, they came in with sword. They had, they had different uh, uh, strategies of warfare that they had learned down through the years. They had weaponry. Their archers were, were better than any others. Their, uh, the Roman spears, they called them darts, could be thrown very accurately. They say literally up to 50 yards and kill, kill them. Man, these guys, these guys were it. They were, the, they were the Green Berets. They were the Navy SEALs of the day. So why would they march into an area, settle in that area, and begin to dominate that area on behalf of Rome and of Caesar? And, and as the uh, time would uh, go on, uh, uh, you know, they would see these Jewish people doing their rituals, going to their synagogues, uh, uh, acting the way they were doing, which was alternate, and all of a sudden get enamored with that and say, that's what I want. But he did. Now, I've heard over the years different people talk about how this could have been the centurion who got his servant healed. This could be this centurion. I don't know. The Bible is not plain about that, and I don't get in the ditch on one side or the other. He was just a centurion. Amen? Now, verse, verse 1 says this. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now, this, this verse 2, I believe, is something we, and we've heard this for years, but I believe it's something that if we can really press into not just as individuals, but as, as a church, as a body, we're going to see what he saw. We're going to experience what he experienced. You say, what did he experience? The Holy Ghost fell. I said the Holy Ghost fell. You want to you describe a move of God? It's not a new doctrine. It's not a bigger building. It's not a, a bunch of money. It's the Holy Ghost falls. Because when the Holy Ghost falls, the lost get saved, the sick get healed, the oppressed get delivered, and Jesus gets magnified and glorified. Amen? So it says of him, now notice these things. He was a devout, he was a devout man, one that feared God uh, with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, his connection to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had changed his character. What kind of man would become devout toward the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What kind of man would begin to fear God with all of his house? What kind of man would begin to give uh, 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 to the people that he had conquered, and what kind of man would pray to that God? Obviously a man that God began to deal with and God had chosen. Amen? Now, these four different things, I've heard them called the elements of revival, I've called, heard them called the ingredients of revival, I've heard them called all these different things, but it is four character principles that must be in revival or in a move of God. Number one, we must be devout. Amen. And it's a shame in the body of Christ when we use the word devout 
to look at other religions and see, see, see people so devout in their religion that they're willing to die and not only die but kill you also because of their religion. Because of their religion. Well, it means there's a God element involved there. Uh, 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 even when you come over into Christianity, uh, you can talk about uh, the devout Catholic, the devout uh, Baptist, the devout this. I know in Catholicism, uh, when Lee and I were in the Philippines in the, in, the, in the late 80s, we were there on Easter. And we saw the men being nailed to the cross. Nailed, I mean not some put on uh, theatrical play or something, but men that actually, we're sitting in the airport in Zimbonga, down in Mindanao. And we're watching the television, and a man, is, it shows the, e, the, 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 the uh, EMTs are around him. He's laying on the ground. They're putting nails through his wrist and in his feet and blood. And they prop him up, and a news person goes, takes the mic and puts it in his, in his face and says, why are you doing this? You know what he said? He said, I'm doing this. I have a daughter who is terminally ill. Remember, I yelled at the TV. I yelled, I said, no. He said, I had a daughter that is permanently ill, terminally ill. And I'm doing this hoping that God will see my faith. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's off in his doctrine, but he ain't off in his devoutness. I mean, he's doing anything and everything he can do to get God to do something for I pray to God. I prayed then, God, send a labor across that guy's path. Get that woman healed. Get that little girl healed. I prayed that prayer. But listen, in the body of Christ today, we've allowed apathy and complacency to come in so strong that we've had to regulate services and do things to where, to where people sometimes are bothered to just come to one service a week. Amen. Now listen, I'm not I'm trying to beat anybody up because I'm preaching to the choir here. You're all at church on a Wednesday morning, which says a lot about you. But one thing you have to realize is this. When God is really moving, and I've been in, how can I say this? My life has been exposed to a dimension of time in which God was really moving. I mean really moving. I mean really moving. When I was in, either in church, mom and dad either had us in church in a church service, we were either at a full gospel businessman service, uh, we were either at, 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 a, up at a Catherine Kuhlman meeting, or we were up at Evangelistic Temple at a revival meeting, or we were over at some other church or some other meeting. I mean, day after day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year. I mean, that's how I grew up as a child. I mean, uh, Brother Hagen, I remember being at a Brother Hagen meeting in, in uh, West Columbia, and the, the, the meeting got so large, I had to move it, over to the, uh, uh, move it over to the high school auditorium. And, of course, we'd go in. You know, we were just kids. We'd go in, and the meeting would start, and all kinds of stuff would happen. And then we'd go roam the halls, <laughs> break into the classrooms and stuff, you know. And they'd always corral us up and get us back in the meeting and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, uh, just, just, just for an example, Let's, let's pick a, a particular year, about 1968, because in 1968, I saw a complete, as a child, saw a complete paradigm change in Kenneth E. Hagin's ministry. He came to our church in, in, in 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67. It was just Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin's coming. Brother Hagin's coming. Brother Hagin. guess i got to go to church every day for twice a day. You know? 
hear all the stories about, you know, 305 College Street. And, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's the way we lived. And then in 1968, I'll never forget this as long as I, walking into the, to the auditorium at First Assembly of God, which was, a, which was an aisle down one side and then an aisle down another side. And, and what was it? One, two, three, four groups of seats. There was a deal in the back, two doors on each side where you come in, and a platform with a choir loft, and the whole place being packed, and chairs on the side of the pews. And in every one of the windows was reel-to-reel uh, recorders, recording what he was teaching and preaching. I mean, it, the, the move was on. The charismatic move was breaking out. Evangelistic Temple, a guy named Brian Rudd came at that time and began to teach, and not begin to teach or preach. He just began to share his testimony. He really couldn't preach. He just shared his testimony every night. Same thing, night after night after night. And thousands of drug addicts and hippies and people like that, they'd, bring, they'd come into the church with their Coke bottles and their cigarettes and, and, and be smoking in the foyer. And the church got mad. And the pastor, Austin Wilkerson, came down to Galveston and walked the beach and said, God, what, I'm gonna do? what am I going to do? And God spoke to him, do you want to move a God or do you want a church? And he said, I want to move with God. And that thing went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, there was a, 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 an Episcopal church, Church of the Redeemer. These people knew nothing. Knew nothing. They did not know Mark 11. They did not know Second. They were religious Episcopal people and were worshiping God one Sunday morning, and the Holy Ghost fell and baptized the entire church in the Holy Ghost. And people would come. I remember going to the meetings. People would come and just sit and worship God, and the Spirit of God would just fall. Nobody scheduled to preach. Nobody to do anything. There were 32 full gospel businessmen chapters in the Houston area. They would get together once a month and get the, get the uh, uh, Shamrock Hilton Hotel Auditorium, and, and Catherine Kuhlman would come, or Kenneth Hagan would come, or Roberts would come. And I'll never forget this as long as my, I live. They would have praise and worship. They'd have music, and people would sing, and then it kind of quiet down. And you'd hear 50 messages in tongues going up. All over that place, man. It was crazy. It was wild. Amen. And there was a young fiery preacher named John Osteen. And I can remember the first time he, he rented the Pasadena Auditorium to go there and to, uh, to hold a meeting. And I got a, I got a, I got a beating from my mom, a whipping from my mom, because she was making us get dressed and go. And I told her, I ain't going to hear that Baptist. I told Brother Hostie that he laughed. But I'm telling you, and that was just in Houston. There were things going on in Dallas. There were things going on in Tulsa. God was moving. The charismatic move was breaking out and exploding and blooming like a beautiful flower. But people were being d devout in their attendance and their spectating of that. But what you didn't see, what, what, what was behind the scenes of those that prayed and contended and interceded and made a decision that they were going to pray that thing into existence because I've talked to them and met them and know them. Most of them are in heaven right now. But they got on their knees and they prayed and they contended and they were devout about bringing that move of God into its existence on the earth. It's not going to happen without it. Devout man. That was Cornelius. Number two, now this one here, he feared God with all of his house. The fear of God is the, how can I say this? The fear of God is the temperature gauge of the health of your spirituality. Now let me say that again. The fear of God is the temperature gauge of your spirituality. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm so far deep into this thing 
into the move of God in my life, the destiny of my life, what God's called me to do as a pastor, what God's called me to do, called me to do outside the church, that, that I fear God more than not to pray. Did you get that? I mean, I, why do you pray? Well, one reason I pray is I love to fellowship with God. That's the main reason. I love to fellowship with God. I love to worship God. I love to pray in the Spirit. You know, recently, uh, my, my prayer li- uh, life has been pretty disciplined over the years, and an hour, an hour and a half, two hours a day. Recently, I've been coming up here to the church, and I've been praying like three and four hours at a time. And, and, and out of that, I, I went and built a prayer room at my church. I mean, I mean at my house. And I, when they finished laying the carpet in my prayer room, I stood outside the door with tears in my eyes, and I said this, out of this room, is going to come revival in a building. Amen. I, I, I fear God more than to just close this Bible and not study and read and meditate on it. But man, you start getting into stuff. There's, there, there's things in the body of Christ that people just do naturally now or do. Uh, and I wonder, why do they do that? Don't they have any more fear of God in them than to, than to take the things of God, and treat it the way they treat it, without honor, without respect, the house of God, the body of Christ, the things of God that are holy and righteous? What makes them think that God's going to do anything when they have no fear of God in their life? Man, I was away from the Lord for over 10 years, and I, I, had, I had more fear of God in me as a backslidden kid than a lot of people have the fear of God in them. I, I remember a, a, a guy got saved, and I heard about it, at the Assembly of God Church here, here in Galveston. This would have been back in the, in the, in the like 1977, 78, right in there. And he came over to my house on a Friday afternoon. Alan might remember this. Came over there to buy a bag of, of, of marijuana that I had for sale. And when he came in, and t- I wouldn't sell it to him. I said, I'm going to sell that to you. And he looked kind of bowed up on me. Why not? I said, I heard you went down to the church on Wednesday night and got saved. And he said, well, that doesn't mean anything. I said, it does to me. (laughs) That's what I told him. I said, it does to me. And I wouldn't sell it to him. It scared me to do that. I was afraid to do that. And we have people today, they have no fear of God whatsoever. They put everything in front of God, and then, and then, but on the backside, anytime they get into any problem or any situation or any circumstance, they want God to show up and immediately act on their behalf, but there, there's no devoutness in it, and there's no fear of God in them. Amen? There's got to rise of people that are devout, that fear God, that, that will not compromise their lives, that will not, that will not live in sin. We were, Pastor Sam and I, we were talking about Dr. Summerall the other day, and I was sitting at a table, actually over at Gatto's Restaurant. We were eating, there was about five or six pastors there, we were all sitting there, and Brother Summerall had made some very, just strong statements. He had a way of doing that. And then he made this statement. He said, I'm going to tell you boys how to never fail in ministry. And guys started grabbing their notebooks and stuff, and he's eating raw oysters on the half shell, one after another. And he, he looked up from an oyster, and he looked at these six pastors and myself and another evangelist. And he looked around and he said, ready? And everybody's like kind of, yeah. don't sin. And he went down and continued to eat. <laughs> Do you know how many ministries in the earth today 
that started out with revelation, anointing, gifting, power of God, and sin has destroyed their ministries. Why was sin allowed to get in there in the first place? Because there is not that reverential fear of Almighty God. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And listen, just because we're holy and righteous people, that doesn't make us legalistic. That is our protection. Years ago when we spent time with Mom Goodwin, she said this, Rusty, you got to cleanse the temple. you got to cleanse the temple. Remember her saying, you got to cleanse the temple. they got to cleanse the temple. Jesus cleansed the temple. And the halt and the lame and the blind came, and he healed them there. But you got to cleanse the temple. you got to cleanse. I knew what she was talking about. you got to clean up your life. you got to clean the junk out of your head. you got to get the junk out of your flesh. you got to clean up. you got to live holy. You want the Spirit of God. To, and there's always somebody saying, well, I know so-and-so that the Spirit of God used. And they were doing this. Listen, and they always ended up bankrupt. They all, and I'm not just talking about financial, I'm talking about in their life, okay, they had the anointing, they had this, but they either died early or they ended up just a broken person and never completed the full fulfillment of their life. Listen, when some of these uh, giants in ministry died in, in, in the past decades, Brother Hagen and Brother Osteen and, 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 and Brother Summerall and, and Till Osborne and Oral Roberts, those men died having run and completed their course as holy men of God and examples to the body of Christ of holy and righteous living, men that feared God with their households. We're not going to be able to do anything, do anything for God if we live any less than that. Amen. Now notice, feared God with all of his house. Now here's another, and gave much alms. He was a giver. Now I, I, I was there in the 90s when the prosperity thing broke out. And I know that, you know, the Jets, the Rolexes, the, the, you know, there, there, there are some things that have gotten terribly into the ditch and wrong with prosperity. It's a shame some of it is still there. I mean, these guys that get up there, you know, you got to give $55 forever, 55 miracles that this happened. And that. Listen, church, we ought to grow up and understand what real giving is and what manipulation is. But some people are vulnerable. And when you got masses of people that you can now reach with the technology that we have, these guys put all that together. And I tell you, they have meetings and they strategize and they do this and that. We don't do that. We live by faith. But now here's the point I want to make. I don't want to get into all of that. I want to, I want to let, let's go back to Cornelius because he's the one that got the Holy Ghost to working. Why was he given? What was his motivation? He had no need. It was not, it was not sow a seed. Or oh, if I sow a seed, I'll get this. I sow a seed. No. This guy could walk down the street and he could see a house and he could say, move those people out of that house and move me in. Move me, move my servants in. He see a horse going by, like I said, take that horse, put it in my stable. He could walk by a field of, uh, of corn or grain. He could say, go reap that grain and put it in my barn. He was a conqueror. He had no need. There was no need for him to sow and reap. There was no reason for him to give other than number one and first and foremost. And I do not know why this was not preached in the great prosperity mood because that was of God. I really don't know why it wasn't preached. I preached it. But number one, he did not give to God to get something. He did give to God because God was God. That has to be the first and most foundational principle of your giving. Not to give to build a building. 
not to give to, uh, to, 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 to send Christopher to Africa, uh, not to give to do this, or to do that, but you give to God because God is God. That has to be the bedrock, foundational, motivational reason for your giving. So I tell you, I'm giving to get a house. Good, that's good. Use the principles of faith. I'm giving to get a car. I'm giving. That's great. I've done all of that. We've received all of it. That's good and well. But if you do not have that foundational reality of this, I bring what I have earned with my life's breath and my life's strength, and I bring it to my God who gives me the ability to breathe, to work, and to function. And I honor Him with that which He has given me. I tell you, if you will do that, you will get a handle on prosperity. That's what He was doing. And then, and then last, I, my time's running out. He prayed. Now, prayer is breaking out for those who will allow themselves to be exposed to it. Now, let me say that again. Prayer is breaking out for those who will allow themselves to be exposed to what prayer wants to accomplish in this generation, this day, and this hour. Amen? Now let me say this. This may help some of you. Prayer for revival begins as a labor. Prayer for revival begins as a labor. You must labor at it. You will have hours of prayer in which there's, you seem like you're walking in mud. And it's hard to pick your feet up. But you've got to stay with it, and stay with it, and stay with it, and labor till your labor becomes a passion. And when your labor becomes a passion, you no longer look for time to pray, you make time to pray. You'll build a prayer room. You'll come to prayer at your church. You'll find a way to pray as an individual, and you'll find a way to pray corporately. And you will not be distracted in prayer. And the Holy Ghost will be your helper and your guide and, and, and everything else you need Him to be in prayer. But you've got to make a decision. I'm willing to go through the labor to get to the passion. And if you will do that, you will find a place in prayer in which you can tap into. Man, I know what it means to be lost in prayer. Man, when I used to travel, I'd get into hotel rooms and just, Mark and Janet probably know what I'm talking about. And you, just, you just get to praying. You know, a pastor, somebody drop you off after lunch. It's 1.30 or so. You don't have a service till, till 7. You say, well, now I guess I better, get, you know, get to praying, get ready for tonight. And you just start praying. And, you know, you've prayed over the service. You've prayed over everything at home. And then so you just start worshiping God, praying. And you just kind of get lost. And you look around, and you look at the clock, and it's, it's 5.30. You go, man, I thought it was. I was going to take a nap before church, you know. And it's 5.30. Well, God wants to, let me just say it like this. God wants to commune and communicate with you more than you want to commune and communicate with Him. Because He did everything else. Let's just say it like this. He built the communication system. Kind of like our cell phones and, and, and com the people that build those cell phones want you, want you to use the cell phone more than you want to use it. You say, why? Because they built the system. They, they invested everything into the technology. 
and they're hoping that you'll come out and buy it and get the plan and use it as much as you can so that you'll need to buy more minutes, more time, more this and that. You say, why? Because they built it. They initiated it hoping you'll use it. God's the same way. He built the system. And He'll initiate. And He'll draw you. And the problem is, is the draw of prayer in your heart and your spirit, if it's rejected, begins to wane very quickly. That's why people sometimes don't persevere in prayer. But if you'll make a decision, there's nothing going to stop me. Because I'm not just praying to get my needs met. I'm not just praying to, to get a house or, or, or to get my healing or, or, to, or to get a promotion. I am contending for something in the spirit realm that's not just going to affect me, but it's going to affect everything around me. Now let me close with this. I've used this illustration before, but I think, it, I think we need to hear this over and over till it gets in us. I was talking with Pastor John from Ireland here earlier. Uh, preacher years ago said this to me. Papa Ward is who it was. He said, Rusty, he said, God is not near as concerned with your comfort as he is concerned with his character being developed in you. That's what God's concern is, developing the character of Christ in you. And if his character is going to be developed in you, he will pull you out of comfort in order to do that. Now, if we were a group of people today, not Holy Ghost preachers, pastors, evangelists, saints of God, we were a cooking class, and I was here to demonstrate how my latest recipe could be reproduced. So I had a, a big white table up here. I've got different ingredients, a mixer, a different things, and I'm going to share with you how to uh, uh, put together the latest cake. Just use a cake. That's easy to relate to. So I've got raw eggs. I've got raw flour. I've got uh, vanilla extract. I've got different things here. Now, all of those different ingredients, let's just think about just a simple cake. You take flour and, cake, uh, flour and, 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 and uh, eggs maybe, some milk maybe, uh, 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 whatever. All of those things by themselves, you're not going to eat those things. You know, raw eggs. I know there's always someone in the crowd that likes raw eggs. I don't. I always like a little fire under my chickens, amen? And so, you know, raw eggs, raw flour. I hope nobody here eats raw flour. Raw sugar, come on. It's sweet, but you can't eat that. You know, vanilla extract, all of those things, by themselves, you could use the term distasteful. Now, we could take these four elements of being devout, fearing God, giving and prayer and let's take the word distasteful and let's put in the word inconvenient there are times when it's not convenient to be devout Wednesday night rolls around 536 in the evening you know prayers going on at the church you just got in you know you, you, you would have to jump into the shower change clothes and rush to church to get there and it's just not convenient to do that you know, it's better to just take my time and, and, and get there, you know, about 7.20, 7, 7.25. The service starts at 7.30. See, that, that, you, you're cutting an element of inconvenience out of your spirituality. And the character is, of Christ is built on the foundation of inconvenience. Boy, I wish I had time to teach you that message because it culminated in the cross, which was the most inconvenient, uncomfortable thing that ever happened on the planet for God to die with our sins. But what did it produce? Wherefore God had given him a name above every name. Wrote the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, things in heaven, earth, under the earth.
So you've got the, the, fl- the, hour, the flour, the eggs, all of the things. But now you take them and you mix them. So in the spirit, you take it and you mix it. You're, you're devout. You're, you're yielding to the demand that the move of God is putting on. You're fearing God. You're watching out of what comes into your mind, into your home, into your life. Amen. You're a giver because God is God. You pray. So just like with the cake, you take, there's a mixing of that. There's a mixing of it. Then, then, then like with a, with a pastry or a cake we're going to cook, we take and place it in a place out of our control. We put it in an oven. Now, I don't know if you've ever cooked much. Lee and I are both, we both cook. We like to cook. And years ago, we, we, we leased a little house when we first got married that had an oven you could not trust. You'd put it on 200, it'd go to 500. You put it on 500, it'd go down to two. Remember that oven we had? It was terrible. You couldn't trust it. But most ovens you can trust, and what an oven is, is an oven is a place out of your control. You have to trust the oven. You have to have faith in the oven. Thank God I've got a good oven now, you know. So you set your oven on such and such, and you put it in a place which is out of your control. Now that's your faith. Your faith is the area of your life where you know you have no control, but God is in charge. That which you truly believe and know of the Word of God. You're trusting the Lord. I'm trusting God. Believing God. Now, out of the oven. Here we go. We're in our cooking class. Out of the oven comes the cake. Boom. And it's the mixture of that which was distasteful. Out of our faith comes revival. Comes the move of God. And it's a mixture of those things in our life in which God put a demand upon us that were not, it was not comfortable, it was not convenient, but now with the cake, I cut the cake, and I take a piece, and I eat it, and man, it's good. Man, that's some good cake. But not only can I do that, I can take and cut a piece, and I can give it to Mark. And Mark wasn't even around for the cooking of it. What David say? Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So not only do you have something that you can partake of out of your life, you have something that you can share with everybody else. And it's not dead religion that will be acid in their mouth. It's not, you know, philosophy. It's not psychology. It's not, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, everything's going to be all right just because we think it is. It's the true ability of God through human flesh and human spirit to arrive upon this planet to do something so supernatural that anybody that partakes or views of it can't deny that. That's, that's God doing That's God right there. That's God doing You can't say that of every religion. You can't say that of all Christian denominations. But I tell you, when God starts moving and God starts manifesting, even though people may be critical of it, they can't deny it's God. I remember in Ireland years ago I was preaching, and a guy, I've said this several times at the church, but it just had an effect on me. A guy came out and challenged me over some things that I had taught. And then he made this statement to me. He said, Brother Rusty, he said, I don't know if I believe everything you said tonight, but I do know this, you believe it. And I'm telling you, that's where God wants to get his people. Not only through revelation, but through manifestation. 
where that we just don't have glorious meetings in our churches. But I remember back then, man, oh my Lord, it was tough on me. My mom, who was an intercessor, my grandmother, who was, who was an intercessor, uh, man, my parents' friends were all, you know, I'd come home and there'd be Effie Ward or Mom and Dad Goodwin and all that, and they're all praying. I remember coming home from school one time, and I, and I, we're, we're walking up, we had a curved driveway. We lived in Houston, right up by Alameda Mall. We had a curved driveway like this, and the front door was right here, and we're coming up the street like this, and the door of my house flew open. And I could hear my grandmother and my mother, and they're going, oh, and the next door neighbor came running out with her hands up going, God's in there, God's in there, God's in there. <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere. We'd go out to eat. That even happened after we got, we'd go out to eat with Mom Gooden. We're sitting at the Pelican Club at Guido's. We're sitting there in the innocent, ordering food. Mom and Dad are there. I think uh, George Dustin was there, a few others. There. Uh, Mom Goodwin was there. And so Mom Goodwin's sitting there, and she kind of bristles. She goes, no, not now. <laughs> Waitress is taking her. Not now. Not now. Then just, oh, pastor, pastor. and she just started prophesying to everybody around the table. Spirit of God just fell in there. People were going like this. <laughs> Amen. That's what God wants. God doesn't want to hide in a church or hide in a, in a room somewhere. He wants it to break out all over the place in our lives. In a, but listen, what stirred me to bring this, I had something else I was going to teach, but what stirred me was what the Lord said last night about contending for this thing. There has to be a, a, a people that contends for this, for this to happen. And we're in that contention phase right now. And, and, and I want to be not just the contender, I want to be the participant. I want to be right flat in the middle of everything God's doing, and I'm going to live my life to do it, and I guarantee you, if you'll do the same, whether you're a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist or a missionary or just the janitor at the church, David said, I'd rather be the doorkeeper at the house of the God. You say, why? Because you could stand there in the presence. You studied Joshua when he was with, with Moses. The Bible says Moses would leave, but Joshua would linger in the presence of the Lord. He was just the guy helping Moses around. I tell you, do your part. Contend for that which God is doing. And I'm guaranteeing we'll see it, we'll experience it, and we'll be blessed because of it. And all of this junk going on in our world, I guarantee you God will have His chance to show that light is greater than darkness, death is greater than, I mean, life is greater than death, and light dispels darkness all the time. Amen? Stand on your feet, lift your hands, worship the Lord for a moment. Father, we worship You. We thank You, Heavenly Father. For your word this morning. Oh, we believe we receive. Father, stir our hearts. Stir us in prayer. Let us be devout. Let us fear you, Lord, with all of our heart. Lord, let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us give, Lord. Now let's just take, it's, it's 12, 14. Let's just take like three or four minutes as a people and let's pray. And not for, you know, a, a, a new card. Let's just pray and contend for the move of God. For just three or four minutes. Father, right now, we come to you. In the name of your son, Jesus. And more than we desire the breath in our lungs, we desire for you to move by your spirit. The signs, the wonders, the miracles. Like they prayed in Acts chapter 4. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus.
We're not asking you to vindicate Island Church. We're not asking you to vindicate Word of Life. We're not asking you to vindicate a WOC. We're asking you to vindicate the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Show forth that He is the King of kings, that He is the Lord of lords, that there is mighty salvation power, mighty healing power, power to empower the believer. Oh, we desire it. We hunger for it. We desire it, Lord. Put upon us a grace, Father. Let a grace come from your Spirit to come down upon us. Oh, pa que so ramandele que se betia. Se baka sobre te semana que telete. Ekeretele. Eketere batai pa kere bato se kelebia patandelete. Oh, manana so kere bidianda la mente. Ibara sobre ki abara telemende bokoria baketo. I semana makata rabatia nere bakata rabata. Ebata sa bakate bekete behia. Epata sora. Ebracadete de mata sokele. Ekere sote bianda la bekia batoya mende bata. Arabasor bia peketere mandaha. E rabaka tele sokere bianda la bete. Omaka. Omate. Ebasakata bata. O pekete mende. Ekete manana makaya pata sote le bekia pata. Arabandele kete bianda la bekia. Ebaka sote le betia ndere bakata. Anama sote le bekia pata sote le mende. Oh, bakata la basata. Oh, bakasete le bete. Ebata sakalatia. Ebata le sosa le mete. Ebaka sote le bete. Ebakere mende le bete. Nere betia. Arabanda. Ikala sote le mende biata. Egre diete le manda so. Ebrate seke le betia ndere bataya. Ebakere sita le batia ndaleke. Egre diete le manda baso. Oh, sebekete biata le bakala batia ndere basa. Ne prekete rebadianda, ora baka setelebato, ne rebate selebete, ne rebakaramato, and a glass at it. Let the glory timata, let a glass of manacas or a glory metiaparate, set a glory minidiatelesute, and a gesser about the wave of a begale, waves of that glory, waves of that glory. Oh, meteba setelebet, cross of a crested and breaking, oh, manasobra ketelebete, ne brate sobra tasabaka, for refreshing mateso. Nara basa kerebia para tele si barate mere basi baka nora sorbate bekete ekrete sorbati tele betia bakaso nabrata sobaka tele betia bata orbekete ne sebreki batele sorbetiate ebrakata rabasa baka ebrete sotele mende bokorbia pakete ebrakata rebata nabrata sorbekete tele bete ebrakete rebaso manata sobratia Ebrakete rebasore beti ebrake para telemanda. Ebrakete rebasobra tia telebeke. Ebrakete rebata. Ebreti ebrakete rebati oboko sorbiande. Ikereboti ebrakaso. Na sobra tia ebrakete remendele boto. Ebrasobra kete rebati orebekuto. Ebrakata sata. Orebeke seteremeke. Ikerebasorbi ebrakete remoto. Erebete semarakita la sorbiyet. Orebete sobra ketsote. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name, Lord. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Jesus, we magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, hold on. Listen to this by the Holy Ghost. For that which was private and that which I've only dealt with the hearts of individuals in a private way.
is now, even right now, going public. For in days gone by, your adversary has tried to distort what grace really is. For my distribution of grace is beginning to come upon individuals and even congregations and even fellowships of those who will receive it. To contend for that which I desire to do. And if you will make yourself available and say, God, here am I, use me. That grace will come upon your life. And that hunger will begin to be stirred on the inside of you. And the priorities of your life will be rearranged by my Spirit. But all oh, the blessings, all oh, the blessings, for it is an unselfish act for those that have tasted of the good things of God and experienced my presence and power to allow themselves to be put at a place of inconvenience to cry out on behalf of others who have never tasted who have never seen and who have never experienced but that pleases my heart and I will make a quick short work of it and that which I've shown many down through the generations and that which I am stirring in the hearts of those today will come into action, will come into manifestation, will come into reality. And you'll get to be a part. And the rejoicing shall be great. And you'll look back one day. And you'll say, I was there when it wasn't easy. I was there when it wasn't convenient. I was there when we had to contend when it was labor but you'll share in the reward and you'll rejoice greatly of that which you both partake of and that which you observe for it will be beyond your imagination if you will just press in For joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.